Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody today. Glad you're here with us. And we just want to say welcome. And uh, for those of you who are watching online or, uh, or maybe listening in your car, it is great to have you with us today as well. Thank you for being with us this morning. Before we begin, we have just a few announcements. And one of the things I want to share with you is you're going to hear an announcement asking for uh, help with uh, completing our finances for the porch on the parsonage. Good news is this. It's already been paid for. So when you hear that, just say, praise you, God. Thank you for already answering prayer. So that's a good thing, but great to have you here with us today. Let's give our attention to the announcements. Good morning, WLC. We're glad you're here this morning. We just wanted to give you a little bit of update on our wish list items. This is the Parsonage Porch. It has been completed. Thank you so much for stepping up. We still owe a little bit on it, so if anyone has the call to go ahead and donate towards that that would be great also we wanted to make sure that you're aware of an upcoming event that is coming our thanksgiving dinner that is going to be hosted by wlc members as well as the salvation army there are a lot of details we need to have taken i i, oh. I heard you're having a family reunion for your thanksgiving dinner i brought one of your cousins <laughs> As you can see, everybody wants to be a part. So what we would like to ask of you are a few things that I've written down here. We are going to have coverage by KRDO over this event. This is going to be a great hands and feet of Jesus for our community, for WLC, and it's going to be just a great way to love on people. We need five to six large coolers to hold food. You need to have four-wheel drive in order to drive the meals to the houses. We also are asking you to please have your COVID gear ready to go. We also are asking for heaters to be delivered. We're gonna have some tables set outside for the people that have no way of getting here other than walking. So we wanna make sure they're warm. We need cleanup volunteers from 2 to 3.30 p.m. on that day. We also want to make sure that you know that you can contact Thanksgiving at WLCNAZ.com for more details. We really want to encourage you to be a part of this. We're looking forward to it, and we hope that you can be there. Just a reminder, you can also put your offering in the offering plates in the back of the worship center on either side of the sound booth. You'll find them on the gray tables there. Or you can use our new offering box and put your offering right here. Thank you so much. You guys have a great week. James 1.27 tells us, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Our Lord Jesus tells us in Matthew 25.40, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. In the past year that the Global Orphan Project has been active through the Care Portal in Teller County, over 500 foster families have received much-needed help and the message that God loves them. This was accomplished with the help of just three churches. As of today, Woodland Life Center is proud to join in this mission of looking after orphans in our community. You can also help by simply going to our main webpage 
and scrolling down and clicking on this Sign Up to Help button on the CarePortal Embed. You can also help without signing up by using the CarePortal Embed toggle and scrolling down until you see a need that you would like to meet and then click Yes, I can help. There are also many other ways to serve in our church and in our community, from assisting in our children's church to helping our neighbors, such as the dis disabled or those unable to leave their homes. If you would like to find an opportunity to serve and to share the Lord's love with our neighbors, email me at serve at wlcnas.com, call 719-493-8804, or find me before or after service. Thank you, and may the Lord bless this mission. Let me be
We have hope because of Jesus. You know, everything he's told us in the Bible has come true. Historically, you can look in your history books, and it has come true. Not one thing has he let us down on. Is that awesome? So that means everything that's coming that the Bible talks about, it's going to happen. It's coming. And we can count on him because he 
is full of hope, and he's never, ever, ever left one of his kids, which I love that so much. So good that he'll be with us in all of it. You know, I told you guys that we had puppies a couple weeks back. So they're older, and we have three little boys, and we named them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, so Abednego we call Benny, and uh, they get in the fire a lot. <laughs> they can be a little ornery, but you know, it kind of made me sit back and think about that story and how God sent somebody to be in the fire with them. So it's really awesome to know that we have the hope that he's not going to leave us, but he's also going to be with us and stay with us and walk through that fire with us. Isn't that good news? Yeah, that's good news, especially now, right now when we're dealing with all this COVID stuff and, and everything that's coming in. Man, it's nice to know he's right here with us. And he hasn't left us. He's right here in the midst of it all. And he's teaching us things, and you have to go through the things in order for us to get to the other side of it where he shows us he's faithful. He shows us that he do, never leaves us and that he's got a plan and that the plan is coming but he wants to teach us things in the midst of it so he can draw us in closer. I just love that. So we're going to sing about that now and just think about how he's with us.
come with me in the space between all the things I've seen and this reckoning. I know I will never be Jesus, you know what? You are always here with us, Lord. I'm so grateful for that, Father. I'm so grateful that you're real, that you're not a fairy tale, and that you're something that we can count on. Father, come into this place. You are welcome. Your kids love you. So we just ask you to come in. I know that we've been here since 7.30, enjoying your presence, Lord. But we want you to usher, we want to usher you in. We want you to feel welcome here. Lord, we've, we've had a lot going on this week, so just take that burden and those distractions and remove them while we sit here and wait for you. And Lord, I pray that this morning you'll do something new in us that you will touch every person in this room in a very personal way. That they'll know you. That they'll just kind of let go of the stuff that's heavy and the stuff that's bothering them and stressing them out. Lord, I pray for the people in here that are dealing with sickness or family members are dealing with sickness. Lord, cover them. Give them your comfort. We ask for healing. But Lord, more than anything, we ask for your presence. Because nothing beats it when you hold us. Nothing's better than you being there and knowing that our daddy says, 
it's going to be okay. So, Lord, we love you. We want you to know that as we step into your throne room. One more step. I pray, Jesus, that you will meet each person there. That this morning will be about you. So, Lord, come in. Feel welcome in this place, Father. And we love you. In Jesus' name.
Lord, we just thank you, God, for what uh, a great joy and privilege it is for us today to just come into your presence, to hear, God, from you, to sing your praises, but more than that, dear God, to know, Lord, that even though we come here today with maybe the expectations that, um, that only we know ourselves, God, that that the only one that can fill those expectations is you. So we ask God and for the power of your Holy Spirit right now to just come and speak to us, Lord. Be our strength. Lord, I pray today that we will just hear from you in a way, God, that we were not expecting at all. And I thank you, Lord, for each one, regardless of where they are, who is listening right now within the sound of my voice, because, Lord, I... We know that regardless of whether we're here or in our cars or in our homes, God, you are alive and active, and you are still calling us to be the church right where we're at. And we pray these things, God. We pray, Lord, for your great spirit to move and speak and do a good thing, a new thing in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated today. It's good to see you all. Thank you for being here. I know in the midst of this time, but it could be so many places, and, and uh, I am thankful that you've chosen to worship with us today. Uh, this morning, I'm, we're continuing in James, and we're going uh, to the final portion of the book of James. And in this section, I'm really excited to share with you uh, what I've just sensed um, God has laid on my heart. I've spoke from this portion of Scripture many times. It's been one of those things where I've just, uh, I, I, I thought, well, as I was approaching this, this portion of the Word this week, I thought, well, you know, I'm, I kind of got an idea what you want me to share already, Lord. I had no clue. Have you ever been there where you just feel like, you know, I thought God was leading me in this direction, but all of a sudden God's just taking me over here. <laughs> and and uh, so I know that someone uh, is going to be hearing this word today uh, that I believe that God has just kind of turned this and changed this theme uh, just for you this morning. Uh, in this passage that we're going to read. If you haven't gotten your Bibles out or turned on your tablets or whatever else you're using, go ahead and do that now. But in this portion of Scripture, I have just sensed the, the theme of empty. Empty. You're going to understand a little bit more as we continue on together. But this theme of empty, I remember when this pandemic began, when we, uh, we all started through this process together, and I remember uh, seeing aisles empty in the grocery store, thinking, what? I, I haven't seen anything like this. The only time I saw anything close to it is then when we would expect a hurricane coming through and when we lived in Florida. Then, you know, a lot of the aisles would be bare, and, and you kind of expect it then, but then in the midst of this, this was happening, and it was all new, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I remember that time when, maybe you remember it too, when, when you needed toilet paper. <laughs> and you go down that aisle of the toilet paper aisle, and what did you see? Nothing but bare 
<laughs> shelves. I mean, it was just completely gone. I'm thinking, what in the world? People have gone crazy. I mean, we, we have all the things to, you know, stock up on. Well, well, guess what? You know, when you're out, you're, you're wanting to stock up as well. I, we went to different stores. I remember Jackie and I were driving around, and finally we got to this grocery store, and thank God they had toilet paper selling it by the roll. <laughs> you, you get literally you, one roll you know, for sale, and there was a limit of two. Well, I got in there, and I thought, man, I felt like I just won the jackpot. Man, I got two rolls of toilet paper because all of the empty aisles and everything else that we had been seeing. I was so happy. I came out to the car. I said, Jackie, I found some. And I said, get in there, and you get another two. <laughs> and she went on in and got two more. But, man, I just... I just, it was just weird just seeing all these empty aisles and just the empty emptiness within the stores. But I realized, you know what, I, even though I had never experienced something like that before, if I had never experienced empty in the way that I had experienced empty at that moment, guess what, I wouldn't know what it means to be full. The only way that I experienced the joy of seeing uh, some, uh, a, a, a shelf that was full was because I had experienced for so long the empty. And I don't know where you're at right now, but maybe uh, you might be feeling a little bit empty where you are at. I asked last week that maybe you would fast in some way that you would establish between you and the Lord and and fasting is just a reminder, again, is simply just emptying yourself out of the temporary to be filled with the Spirit eternal. And, and here's some good news that I have for you this morning. And I want you to think about this as we are going through this passage. But it is a true statement. You can test God on this. But in God's economy, in God's economy, empty is where all good things begin. We've been living in days of empty, empty restaurants. Some say they may never open again. I heard someone say that some fast food restaurants said, ah, we'll never open our dining rooms again. We're just always going to be doing drive-throughs from here on out. Empty hotels, businesses looking empty, people working remotely instead of in the offices. The offices are empty. Empty church buildings. I, I remember a friend of mine who I've been speaking with in one of the large churches uh, the, uh, within our denominations, uh, denomination, excuse me, is uh, Highland Park down in Lakeland, Florida. I was talking to a friend down there, and he said, you know, normally we have 3,000 or so on a Sunday morning. It looks pretty empty when you just have 300 in the midst of that room. Empty gyms. But the toughest for me is when I go into places and we put on our mask, you know, and so you have to go in with that. And, and it forces you, have you noticed, it forces you to look at people's eyes when they have their masks on. And one thing that I've noticed at times when I'm walking down an aisle or in a certain place is just the emptiness that you see in people's eyes. And that part is heartbreaking for me. But it's a reminder, you know what? My life began when I was completely empty. 
My life with Christ, my true walk with God, only began when I was completely empty of myself. You see, just as I said earlier, that in God's economy, empty is where all good things begin. In God's economy, empty is where all good things begin. You might want to just help me out there with that slide. There we go. James begins this last portion of his letter by simply asking. And I think it's kind of, it's almost kind of comical. We go through this whole letter, and, and, and he's been pretty forceful. He's, he's really probed. He's poked the bear. He's done everything. He's, he's told us, you know, this is the way that it, you, your directions you should be going in. These are areas you should be moving in. And then at the very end, he asks basically, how are you feeling? <laughs> and he starts this portion in verse 13 by saying, is, is anybody here in trouble? Is anybody here happy? Is, is anybody here feeling sick? I want you to just maybe, I don't care where you're at right now, if you're listening online or whatever else, just look at your neighbor right now, the person sitting right next to you, and just tell them, this is how I feel. Just, just tell them how you feel. <laughs> now, You've shared that. But now I just want you to take a moment by yourself. And I just want you to take a break and tell God exactly how you feel this morning. Just tell him. He already knows. Don't try to play games. Don't say, I'm fine, if you're not really fine. Just let God know, how do you really feel today? James is looking into the eyes of the people there, that he, he can see just through his mind's eye the people that he's writing to, and he's asking them, how do you feel? Some of you, he knows already, probably are feeling troubled. Some of you may be sick and tired. Some of you may be happy. Some of you may be feeling empty. And no matter what, here's the thing, is when you read this portion of Scripture, James is pointing us to, is he's saying, I don't care how you're feeling, whether you're feeling great, whether you're feeling down, whether you're feeling up, whether you're feeling... Whatever else, pray. In James 5.13, we read there that is anyone among you in trouble? Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Is anyone in trouble? Pray. Is anyone happy? Sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Let them call the elders so that we can pray and anoint you with oil. And you read these scriptures and you're just getting this feeling of, okay, obviously James already has an understanding of what's kind of going on in, that, in the midst of that church. But we sometimes need to know where to start by just getting it straight right between us and the Lord. Lord, this is exactly how I feel today. But he says something interesting here in James as he's asking people, you know, if you're sick, and I want you to just think about that because there's more than one type of sickness in our world. Amen? There's more than just a pandemic of sickness in our world. There is a spiritual pandemic that is happening in our midst as well. And he's asking, is anybody here sick? 
Does anybody here have some unhealthy things happening physically or spiritually? And he says something interesting as he says that if you do call on the elders and, and he says, have them anoint you with oil. And you might say, well, why oil? Well, some would say that oil here is simply referring to a, a medical need. Because in that day, actually, and you can see it in Mark chapter 6, verse 13, you can see there that actually there was a time, and the only other reference actually in the New Testament of anointing oil there in Mark was about, you know, a, a medical need. And this physical healing. But I think as we read this, it's actually appropriate to broaden its scope. And remember the use of oil in the Old Testament as well. As a matter of fact, James references Old Testament characters several times in this chapter and even today in our passage. But here, when we ask why oil, well, in the anointing of oil, which is understood as a healing agent, the oil was the outward sign of an inward transforming and empowering work of the Holy Spirit. You remember the psalmist saying, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The psalmist is speaking of that transforming work of the Spirit that when it comes upon you, you can't help. When you're finally empty of yourself and you're filled up and the cup overflows, that the Spirit has a healing quality. The spirit is represented by oil. And if the cup there is represented by your heart, spiritually speaking, to overflow means that we are not only full, but here it means that that empowering, transforming work of the spirit cannot be contained. If there's anyone here who's sick, if you've got an issue, if there's something unhealthy in your life, then call on the elders, call on people to come over to you and anoint you with oil because it's a symbol of what you need in your life, that healing work that only comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a physical element. I don't want to take that away to what James is saying here, but there is also the subject of spiritual health that is being revealed. And he goes on to say in verse 15, he says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Your, your health, however your health is, it is, spiritually speaking, it is going to spill out from you. It'll spill out into the congregation. It'll spill out in maybe dysfunctional relationships. But guess what? It can be healed. Sins, when they are confessed, when they are forgiven, healing comes. It comes vertically with our Lord, and it comes horizontally with each other as well. And I, I look at this portion of Scripture, and I ask myself, as well as asking you, when's the last time that you went to someone, and you know that maybe you didn't even mean to, but you might have offended them, or you might have hurt them, and you just step back and take a moment and say, I'm sorry. Let me me confess to you I, I i may have hurt you i didn't even realize it 
verse 16, when we read it, it takes on this whole other level of healing. When we hear the words, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. If you look back at, at, at that portion that we just read again, where, where it talks about, it, it, it says, you know, if, you know, if you're sick, have them come to you. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. I find it really interesting that he goes from one moment, you feel like, okay, we're talking about bringing someone forward who is sick, has a physical ailment, and immediately he just turns it into, and if they have sinned. And I don't think that it's because he's trying to say, you know what, if you have sin in your life that you're going to be physically ill, well, that might be the case. That might happen. What I'm saying here is that he's making this kind of this meshing between here's what's happening. Not only can God heal you temporally, but here's the amazing thing, that God can heal you eternally. And that's good news for us. It is said that confession is good for the soul. And the reason is because you're emptying yourself of those things that are spiritually destructive that you've been holding on to so that the soul can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Greg, we would have our, our meetings, our staff meetings, we have it at the parsonage, and we are together, and he would often say these words, let it go. And he said, I, I would preach those words sometimes, let it go, and people would just start singing in my congregation. And he said, I just never understood it until they watched this one movie called Frozen. He said, aha, now I understand. <laughs> but he would say it all the time, and he would even sing it to us, let it go to staff and, and whatever it is. Give it to the Lord. That is what James is echoing here. Let go of the sin. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the pain. Let go of the fear embrace the healing that comes in prayer through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to have in our world more than ever before. But you say, man, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do that. And, and you might be thinking, well, why did you kind of skip over whether, you know, people can be healed? I do believe people can be healed here on earth. We believe that. We thank God for medical science. We believe that the medical science is given by God. God is the author of science, amen? And so he reveals these things to men and women who help us, and we're thankful for that. We also believe that in divine healing, that God can divinely heal someone. I've seen that happen. It's been amazing, and there's no explanation. God shows up, but I've also seen it when people have not been healed. And sometimes if you take this portion of Scripture and you really want to abuse it, you could say, well, you know, if you really had faith, because it says here, the prayer of faith will make them well. And, and I remember one time, one Sunday morning, <laughs> an individual came to me just before I went up to preach, and I didn't have a time to talk about it. I didn't have time to ask. He just said, Pastor, I have someone here, and she's paralyzed from the waist down. Here's the deal. You're going to pray over her, and I told her that you're, she's going to be well. I said, okay, no pressure. And sure enough, in the midst of the service, they wheeled her down. And I did have oil, and I anointed her with oil. She didn't get up out of her wheelchair. 
But I prayed something that was stronger. I prayed not just for healing physically now, but whatever might be she needing healed in her spiritually. And I prayed, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Not ours. We want to see her, but thy will be done. And then I reminded her and the rest of the congregation that healing is coming. One way or the other. And for those of us who know the Lord, there is a day where we and this young lady would be standing before the Lord. She would be standing before God. And here's the thing, is that we may not be, receive the healing on this side of heaven, but I tell you what, for those of us who, fall, who fall, go, to, uh, go to heaven and, and, and die in the Lord, here's the thing, and here's the promise that we have clearly given to us, is this, is we will have healing in the presence of God. I remember when my mom passed away, there were folks that came in, and they were from different denominations, and she, she, she just said, hey, come on, you pray for me, just pray. I, I want healing, and I, and I remember in the midst of all that, sharing with my mom, you know what, healing is coming, mom. One way or the other, healing is coming. And today, she is healed. She's with the Lord, and she is healed. Don't don't trivialize, don't make everything about just the temporal, have eternal kingdom eyes as you're looking forward, church. And not only can there be physical healing, not only here, it's temporal, but also eternal. And remember, when someone says to you, well, you know what, uh, you know, I don't understand why, you know, this person didn't, didn't stay well, or this person, every person that Jesus healed died. Every person that Jesus healed died. When Lazarus was resurrected, he got to die again. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> but here's the thing. is in death, we are told in Scripture that we're actually being birthed into healing, into an eternal life. But you say, well, I, I hear that, and I need healing between me and a friend, or I need healing between me and my family or my parents or my kids. I need healing with my spouse. I, I need healing in my life. And, and you're, you're thinking, how in the world can I do this? How in the world can I listen even to what Pastor Greg has said so many times, let it go? I'm only human, by the way. Well, verse 17, it says this. It says, Elijah was only human. Verse 17, Elijah was a human being. Even, and I love this because James, he just kind of puts it, boils it right down to where you and I are at. You think that it's not possible. You think that healing like this can't happen. You think that an emptying of yourself and the filling of the Spirit can't happen. I'm going to tell you, James here is saying, Elijah himself, and Elijah was understood as one of the greats. I mean, just one of the greats of the Old Testament. Elijah himself was just a human being, even as we are. Doesn't that really, he just kind of levels the playing field right there, then and there. Sometimes people say, well, you know, he's, he can do that because he's a pastor. Or, you know, Billy Graham would say, people would say to me, oh, well, you, you're in a different level because you're Billy Graham. No, there's no different level. The ground is level at the cross. 
But Elijah, he was a human being, it says, even as we are. And he prayed. And, and, and I get this sense of this, when he prayed, it says earnestly. But I just wanted to say that I, I define that kind of as a, he just emptied himself out. God, not my will, but thine be done. He prayed earnestly. It wouldn't rain. And guess what? It didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Just a guy like you and me. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. And, and I, I looked at this portion of Scripture, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, well, isn't it interesting that not only before this, you know, when we spoke last week and earlier in this chapter, he re referenced Job, and then he referenced the prophets of the Old Testament, and now he's referencing Elijah. And I looked, you know, I thought, well, I'm just going to just kind of do a little bit of a study on the side here, just kind of remind myself. And, you know, everybody's very familiar with Elijah on Mount Carmel, and he, he was, you know, you know, having this, the fire come down, and, and the, you know, they just, you know, took the sacrifice. We all remember that, how God showed up really big. But what was the backstory behind all of that? And I look in 1 Kings chapter 16, and the backstory of that was the guy who was king when this whole event took, care, took place on Mount Carmel was Ahab. And he became king, and it says there that the Ahab son of Omri did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. And then it went on to say that he was setting up these idols and these Asherah poles, and basically these are, these are high places where he would you know, have these idols where people would come and they would go worship. And he was taking Israel and, and, and the people in the wrong direction, and they were following along as if it was a good thing. And we're getting this picture there at the end of chapter 16 that Israel was spiritually bare. Not, they were just bare. It wasn't good. And so Elijah, who was the one, by the way, who was a prophet, who should have been protected by the king, who should have been taken care of by the king, he's actually having to prophesy against him. And he's saying, guess what? As sure as the Lord is my God, it says in chapter 17, verse 1 and 2, as sure as the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except if... I give my word. And interesting here, basically what Elijah is saying, you have spiritually emptied our people and our land. I'm going to show you what it really feels like to be empty. No rain except at the sound of my word. So not only was Israel spiritually bare, but the land was bare and void of nutrients. And then here is Elijah. He's left empty and bare. The guy who should be overseeing him, who should be honoring him, who should be taking care of him, Ahab, he, he's after him now. He calls him later the troubler of Israel. <laughs> and so God says, oh, don't worry. Go down. There's a ravine. There's a little brook there. And he leads him to this ravine. And he says, not only is there a little bit of water here for you, but I'm going to have the ravens themselves take care of you. And bread and meat was brought day by day in the morning and in the evening. And, and God took care of him. And I'm starting to see this thing, this, this, this theme of emptiness here in God's provision. But soon, even the brook dried up. 
And here's where the amazing stuff begins to happen. God says, you know what? I've decided to direct you to a widow. And this is in verse 9. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food in this town of Zarephath. So he went to Zarephath where he came to the town gate and there was a widow there who was gathering sticks. Now a widow, here just, I just want you to get the idea. The wid- if she's a widow, that means her husband has died. And in this culture, that means basically she is empty. She has, the, 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 there were no places for women in this culture to, to, you know, to flourish, to, to grow. Even if it wasn't in a time of drought, it was tough if you were a widow in this day. It's tough now, but it was really tough then. And not only that, she has a kid she has a son but you so you get this and, and then you get the sparsity because she's out there picking up sticks and he's like hey will you give me something to eat can you imagine God's saying I'm going to send you to someone who's empty to take care of you I just want you to know that have you ever felt that way I'm going to send you to an empty place so that I can take care of you <laughs> so he called to her Verse 10, and he says, would you bring me a little water in a jar that I could have a drink? And <laughs> just think about this with me in verse 11. And as she was going to get that, which you've got to be thinking probably in her head, she's thinking, you know, we're in the middle of a drought. Uh, water is scarce. Okay, but I'll get you your water. I don't even know you, but, and he says, oh, and, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. He, she's got to be about to laugh. As a matter of fact, she says, look, as surely as the Lord, and listen to this word, you can underline it, your God lives. As surely as the Lord, your God lives, he's putting it right back in his face. As surely as your God lives, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful, a handful of flour. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. (laughs) Think about that. I mean, think how empty this situation, how empty this, this, this picture and this scene is before you. And Elijah said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go home, do what I told you. First, though, make a little loaf of bread for me and bring it to me. And then make a little something for yourself and for your son. I mean, she has got to be just shaking her head. A handful of flour. A tiny bit of oil. And guess what happens when she began to obey and when she did obey? She did what Elijah told her, it says in verse 15. And guess what? There was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. And next, and you think, wow, when you just can't get any more desolate and then any more amazing, then her son dies. And when he dies, he's emptied of life, and Elijah lays on top of this boy, and God brings life back to him and then all of a sudden in the midst of it all the woman finally says in verse 24 now i know that you are a man of god (laughs) now now i know that you're and that the word of the lord from your mouth is 
truth. You see, here's what I see in this, in this situation. You know, here's James who's referencing Elijah, and here's what we're seeing in this whole story, this backdrop of Elijah that he's bringing. You can't be filled up with God until you're empty of everything else. I want you to say that with me right now. You can't be filled up with God until you're empty of everything else. Did you hear me? Are you hearing what the scripture is revealing to us today? And here's the deal is sometimes you, you read through that portion of James and you think, oh, well, the spotlight is on Elijah. And no, he's saying Elijah was just a human like you and me. The spotlight is on God because God is the one who worked through Elijah in mighty ways. But you guess what? The only way that he could do that was when Elijah was empty in dry places. Here's the good news for you, church, today. When the church is empty of everything else and filled up with God, lives begin to change, including yours and mine. People start seeing God in us, and they're changed as God works through us because our cup is overflowing with the Spirit, and people will be touched Elijah was just a vessel he was empty but he was used by God because he was filled with God there's a song that says tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word and, and the and the, the refrain, refrain goes, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. I, I, I love those first words, though. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And I've gotten to a place, I don't know about you, but in the midst of all that's going on, that I'm just like, okay, Lord, go ahead, empty me out. Go ahead, take it, take whatever, take what I feel is normal, take the things that I want to have expected and wanted to be normal in my life, wanted to be able to do normally in ministry, wanted to be able to do normally with my family, take it all, empty me of all of it. All I ask, God, is as you empty me out of it, that you would fill me up with more of you. And let's forget and I'm tired of, of regretting and, 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 and just you know, feeling like, you know, all this just hurts and this you know, disappointment. I'm tired of that. God, take the emptiness that we see around us and transform, use it to transform me and transform your church. And this last couple verses of James reveals to us it's possible. Verse 19 my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And James here is not talking about physical death. He is talking about a spiritual death here. And he is saying that when the church is emptied of itself, prayed up and filled up with God, people are going to be changed. God could be using you right now. You may not even realize it, but God could be using you right now to help turn an individual from a multitude of sins. 
Think about that. But here's the deal, is the only way that God can use us in the fullness of who he is is when we are emptied of the fullness of who we are. Empty me of me so I can be filled with you, Lord. And it all begins with that prayer. Uh, I, I tell you that even in these days, great things are still happening. Even in these days where things seem dark and they seem gloomy at times, and maybe you feel like, man, I, there's so much disappointment. I had so many dreams and I had so many plans. Just let them go. Let them go in the fire. Let them go, push them away. And here's what I want to ask you to do, is I want you to begin to see how God can maybe even use these empty days to begin to change and transform us. I got a call this week, and, and, and let me just start with this before I tell you the story. But, you know, one of the blessings in the midst of this, even, even when we were completely shut down, and worship team, you can come on up, but even when we were completely shut down was this was that we got to spend more time together as family. You know, that was a good, a blessing in the midst of it. And, and here's a blessing too, is that even though, yeah, we don't have as much happening, maybe even here in the church building, that we can still be active and very alive in our church family within our homes. And I got a call this week, and and uh, Shelby called, and I was like, it was later in the day, and I thought, oh, no, something bad's happened. You know, <laughs> what's going on? You know, and uh, Shelby's on the phone. I could tell she's really happy, and she says to me, she says, Pastor Matt, she said, I just want you to hear something from Lakeland. Lakeland has something to say to you, and so Lakeland gets on the phone, and she says to me, I like you. I thought, that's good enough, you know. <laughs> Someone likes me. That's a great thing. Thank you, Lakeland. And now and then I hear Shelby in the background say, no, no, tell him, tell him what you just did. Tell him what you did. And here's what she said. She said, I asked Jesus into my heart. I asked Jesus into my heart. I said, I'm so proud of you, Lakeland. That's the best, best decision you could ever make. What a great thing. And I tell you what, that's what it's all about. We've seen since July when we've been able to open up our, our church again, it's four people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, three baptisms. I'm telling you, even in the midst of tough days, God is not limited in his scope. So instead of looking down, church, I'm going to ask you and appeal to you, look up. Because God is still on the throne, and he is still working miracles today. And here's the thing. You may feel like sometimes, man, I don't know why we continue to come to church. You know, maybe you're feeling, I don't know why in the midst of this, you know, why we should pay our tithes and give our offerings. I'm going to tell you because lives are changed through the church. And there are some times when you might look back and you might say, oh man, the church seems to be have so many issues and so many troubles. I'm going to tell you this, it's the only tool that God has given us to change this world. So whether you like it or not, you better get on board. And if you're one of the ones that, well, there's so many hypocrites, there's hypocrites everywhere. Rise above it. And let it go. heart given to Jesus and a church that fosters good soil for those type of things to happen 
That's what this is all about. So today, as we close in a, a song, and then I'll close in a word of prayer after that, but as we close in this song, I just want to ask you just, Lord, where, where am I to be emptied? Where can I just let go? What are the things that I need to let go? Bring healing to me, Lord, like I never have thought of it before. And allow these words just to sink really deep in and meditate as we sing together today.
God, we thank you that you have been alive and active and sharp, Lord, through your word to us. I pray, God, that this word will not return void. I pray, God, that you will change us, move us, help us, God, empty us, Lord, whatever it is that we need, Lord. I pray, God, that you will take it and do it in our hearts today because, Lord, more than anything else, more than even the waiting, we want to be used by you, God. And so today, I pray that maybe we would be able to look at back at this chapter in our church and that we could look back and say, you know what? We were more alive in the midst of that empty time than maybe we ever thought we could have been or maybe ever we have been before. Lord, I pray right now for just your spirit to just come and just give us a great awakening, God, like we never have had. We pray this in your name and for your sake and for your glory. We're just humans, Lord. We're just people who are crying out for you. But God, we ask right now that you would do whatever it takes. Do what it takes, God. And help us, Lord, to rise up and rise above the circumstances. And be filled with you and rise above the emptiness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Together we say, amen. Amen. Well, it's been good seeing you here today. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. And I, I want to just dismiss you in the grace and love of the Lord. If you'd like to talk with me, I'll be up here um, waiting to talk. And I just hope that you have a great afternoon and a great week in the Lord today. God bless you. You're dismissed. Now